Take out your tea and diaries and get ready for the Cozy Feminine Podcast, a place for faith-based classic feminine women or aspiring classic feminine women to come together and listen in on all things divine femininity, conservative values, and traditional woman empowerment. And speaking of traditional woman empowerment, if you're hopping onto this episode and you're looking to enhance connection in your life because maybe you're looking at the outcomes that you currently have in front of you and you want them to be better. This is awesome. I'm so happy for you. And honestly, I'm so proud of you because so many of us are adverse to change. And I think that the divine, healthy, traditional feminine woman has a true respect for the divine, healthy, masculine side of themselves that provides discipline and structure and aspirations and goals and so forth. And I feel that when we are able to recognize an area in our lives that needs change and then do something about it, that is so empowering and so inspirational to not just even yourself, but to so many others that are watching you do it. So very happy for you. I'm glad that you're here. And let's jump into this rather dense, however, interesting topic that can enhance connection with others in your life. What had sparked this conversation, by the way, is recently I had made a post on the Cozy Feminine Instagram page focusing in on how we make our relationships more enhanced and really captivate our man's heart through the power of listening, to which a lovely and sweet follower commented inquiring about how do we do this better? How do I work on that? And I cannot tell you how incredibly excited I am to receive a question like this because connection is a happy place. It's also a skill. (laughs) However, it's definitely a happy place and the more we know about how to enrich connection in our lives especially as women the more fulfilled we become it really touches base with our femininity to be able to connect sincerely and compassionately with others now these tips are not just for the men in our lives or just for our romantic relationships these tips can also add value to friendships and new encounters as well So I just want to say that we are going to be covering a lot of different ways that we can connect with a lot of different kinds of people in our lives, all with one tool. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. The kind of listening that we are going to be talking about today and taking a look at is called active listening. You might have heard about this before, maybe even variations of it, maybe not. Either way, it's entirely okay because we're going to be breaking it down together. In fact, I found that when I've talked to people about active listening, they knew actually what it was. They just didn't know that it had a name because I'm going to be bringing up some tips and tricks and some little nuggets of wisdom and you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute that's active listening? I had no idea. (laughs) So I just want to say that you might have even heard about this before and just didn't know it, but doesn't matter. We're going to be breaking it down together no matter what. And I think you're going to be walking away from this feeling, or at least I feel, not even I think, not even I feel. I know that you're going to walk away feeling so empowered to practice active listening more in your life after this podcast. I am very confident in that. And I want to begin with this. I wholeheartedly believe that listening to people is extremely difficult for like 99% of the world, for both men and women. And I feel that this difficult, this difficulty in listening is more like a defense mechanism 
that our minds provide for us <laughs> for a few reasons. More specifically, five that I'm gonna briefly go over. Because our brains are set up not to make us happy, not to even necessarily help us connect with others. It's set up to keep us safe. However, sometimes the most fulfilling parts of life come from stepping outside of our comfort zone in what our brains would consider to be safe, right? So here are a few reasons why I think that we struggle with listening in our lives, or at least with active listening in our lives, and how this partial defense mechanism works. So reason number one is we want to protect ourselves from unpredictability and uncertainty. So our minds will infer what the next outcome is going to be. And while we are talking to someone, we might be thinking of already what we want to say in response to what we're being told. And we want to think maybe five steps ahead of where the conversation currently is. And this is to protect us from the discomfort of not knowing what may come next. Reason number two, we want to feel important, which can stem from childhood traumas of maybe being emotionally neglected or going through really unhealthy relationships where we weren't heard, where people didn't hear us, and now we want to put a stamp of attention to our words and make up for lost time. Reason number three, to tame anxiety. This is especially popular with those who suffer from social anxiety. And this is more of a reflex-like reaction when it's occurring, where we are really quickly responding and reacting to what another person is saying before even fully having a chance to think about what we want to say more strategically so that it reads well you know for the other person that's listening to then our responses and a lot of times this is what results in us wishing that we could go back and change what we would say or even take it back entirely it's very common happens to a lot of us it's it's okay, it's normal. It does happen, but it is a reason. Reason number four, to express excitement, which is usually a good thing. However, it can also become a distraction or a deterrent from successfully connecting with someone because we're just so caught up in a moment. And five, we are simply thinking about other things that we feel need our attention. And what we give attention to what we think about we give power to so the thought of not giving attention and power to the ideas that are floating around in our mind could somehow mean that they're going to scarcely disappear so we have more of a scarcity mindset about our thoughts in that way and we want to hold on to them so that they don't disappear so now that i just listed five reasons why i think we struggle to listen what do we do <laughs> What do we do about these struggles? Well, we combat them. And how do we combat them? We put trust in the art of uncertainty and presence. If us struggling to completely listen comes from our efforts to reduce uncertainty, anxiety, trauma, and distraction from losing a train of thought, then it must have some level of linkage with our ability to trust ourselves to be able to cope with uncertainty, anxiety, trauma, and distraction. Like I said, our minds are here to keep us safe, not to keep us happy. And connection makes us happy. Good connections make us happy. So let's think of 
active listening as this art form of the ears, the brain, and the body. Yes, that does sound a little weird when I say it out loud, but you'll see how it makes a ton of sense in a moment. Think of it from this perspective. When we are listening to someone and we become disengaged in what they're saying, what makes us disengaged? I think a lot of actually how we can learn about active listening, by the way, comes from asking ourselves what we do in sometimes these moments where we are not that involved in conversation. And then being able to flip that around and imagining if we were on the other side, right? So what makes us disengaged? Well, this is going to be found within our minds and our body language. Sure, we might be hearing someone speaking to us. However, we're not really absorbing the words in an intentionally meaningful way. We might be daydreaming a little bit, thinking about our to-dos, our children, our fur babies, our partners. We are also potentially caught up in wanting to make sure that we are already coming up with what we want to say and how we want to respond to what we're being told in the midst of being told something. Maybe we're in a conversation with our partners and somehow we find it hard to focus, to be completely present. This is what we call inactive listening, right? When we become disengaged and we are going through these stages of inactive listening, we're not really fully there with the one who's speaking to us. And active listening is a holistic art form. Like I said, it's an art form. It's a holistic art form where we are completely and utterly committed to the conversation in front of us. And not from the angle of thinking so much about what we might want to say to the person that's speaking to us, not looking to infer, but rather we are more focused on simply absorbing the other individual's story, their words, their experience, and being entirely present for that over our own words, thoughts, and experiences. And I call it an art form because it can really feel like an internal dance of the mind and the body since we are so programmed to infer outcomes to protect ourselves and we are internally trained in so many ways to give more attention to our own thoughts over what is even currently happening in front of us. Active listening is probably the most intentional way to connect and communicate with others because we need to be able to trust that it's okay to not know what comes next and that it's okay to focus on one thing, one person, one conversation at a time and trust that we're not going to spontaneously combust <laughs> from such focus. So how do we exercise this muscle? People who feel that you are truly giving your most undivided attention will find you undeniably more interesting, more in tune with your emotions and state of mind and being, and honestly will find you remarkably attractive. Men in particular find that a woman who listens to him to be a form of unconditional love. Most men could care less about much of anything as long as he feels heard and valued in such a way that makes him feel like a man. And that might sound a little overdramatic, However, I'll say that listening is powerful because it gives us space for our minds to flourish and breathe. And I start with this when it comes to answering the question how we exercise this muscle because when we are incentivized by a positive outcome, we are more likely to show up for it. 
It's like when you're working your body out because you want to maybe look better or feel better. When you know that the outcome is good, we are more likely to keep showing up for it. Now the time that you've been waiting for, how do we do this? Like how do we put active listening into action? Well, let's start out with the more superficial part of the process. What is the body doing? If we want to first appear like we are present in listening, we must first make sure that we are facing the individual that we are listening to and speaking with. Think about conversations that you've had with others where you're talking to them and they're not even looking, like they're not facing you. They might not even be looking at you. They might be completely, like, completely perpendicular to you when you're talking to them. It can feel like, I mean, at least this is more of a personal experience, I feel like I'm burdening them with my words. I don't really feel like I'm connecting with someone that is not even facing me. So first things first, face the individual and make sure that your feet, your hands, and your main body are all open towards the conversation. The next thing that we must think about is what we are looking at. Where are our eyes going? And I know that this might be a little bit uncomfortable at first, and I'll give a couple of tips of how to do this, but at the end of the day, direct eye contact is very powerful. Now, we wanna make sure that we don't look crazy or scary. (laughs) We want there to be an intentional softness and jovial appearance in our eyes. Like we've just been, you know, expressing something really positive happening in our lives. We want to now create that from a listening side. And as women especially, this helps us connect with our femininity while we are in conversation. If we look like there is dominance in our eyes, it could read as attempting to be more aggressive or overpowering. And especially if we're looking to engage with romantic partners and interest, the eye contact should be consistent and soft, almost like you're in an admirable state of mind. And again, I I know this probably is not the most comfortable for some of you or for even all of you. I don't know. Um, However, eyes are the windows to our souls for a reason. Knowing how to look at a man, at a friend, or even a stranger can be the difference between someone who really feels like you are engaged with them and really interested in what they're saying or glazed over or even aggressive and uncomfortable. And the way that we can practice direct eye contact I mean, besides looking at someone, is to also practice in the mirror. Look at yourself. Get familiar for how your face looks when you're looking at yourself. And imagine that you're looking at someone else. Practice the feelings of admiration that you're cultivating from within, and it's going to read in your eyes. And you can see the difference between what happens when you cultivate, let's say, anger or sadness and how that reads in your eyes versus happiness and admiration and how that reads in your eyes. And even just knowing what you may look like as you're looking at someone can bring a lot of comfort. It also comes down to really having conversations with people and just practicing looking at their eyes. I know that there's a trick that you can look at someone's forehead, I believe, like right in the center, right between like the eyebrows, and it kind of reads the same as if you are looking into their eyes. However, I mean, like, I don't really know how I feel about that too much. I feel like it's always best to really know what your eyes look like and what someone else's eyes look like when you're talking to them, because you can also get a read as you're talking to them, how they're listening to you and so forth, and then make decisions on where you want the conversation to go. 
The next piece of body language is fidgeting. I'm an A-class fidgeter. Perhaps it's maybe, I, I know I struggle with social anxiety um, at times. It's something that I've been working on a lot and it's been very helpful with the work that I've been doing. However, you know, sitting still is not always the easiest thing. However, I've learned over time that there's a lot of power and a lot of confidence in being super intentional about your movements and gestures during communication. When we fidget, especially when it's not discreet, it can read as uncomfortable, not just to the person that is listening, but even to yourself. Like you could just feel uncomfortable when you like realize that you're fidgeting so much. And I mean, I'm speaking as myself when I say that. Maybe you don't feel uncomfortable. Maybe it does bring you a lot of comfort. I will say though, that if you're looking to connect with the other person, the other person is gonna look at your fidgeting as a form of discomfort. Now, if you're someone that does struggle to sit still, and it's just something that you have going on, that's just how you are, you do not like to sit still. One, you can either offer to walk while you're talking, uh, so that at least you're, you're able you know, to move your body, or something that I like to do if, let's say, I'm feeling just a little bit antsy in conversation, however I do want to be physically present with someone, is I will tap my toe on the inside of my shoe. Something just super discreet that isn't going to get in the way of the conversation and make it look like I'm uncomfortable. Because sometimes I'm just antsy. I'm comfortable, but I'm antsy, right? The other way that we might fidget, especially as women, is we play with our hair. Playing with hair is very interesting because it can read as two, two potential uh, things. First, is that we are focused on our vanity and we're profiling. We want to make ourselves look better and draw attention to ourselves in a specific way. Also because hair is very sexual um, and very intimate so that when we play with our hair, especially to romantic interests, they end up noticing that in a more vanity type way, um, which maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want that kind of outcome. However, it can definitely still read as potential discomfort as well, where you're feeling the need to self-soothe in conversation. So it can kind of go either way, but again, fidgeting, just one of those things that you're better off making sure that your gestures and movements are more intentional in communication to come off as relaxed and intentional as you're listening to someone. Is all of this foolproof, by the way? No. This is all from personal experience, and I have found it in my best interest to at least be aware of what my body is doing and experiment with different types of gestures and the way I sit and the way that I face and see what works and doesn't. This is what I have found to have been positive for myself, and maybe it'll be positive for you. You have to experiment. You have to see. And then, of course, obviously, the like, don't forget, <laughs> make sure you nod and not nod appropriately with the conversation. You know, if someone's telling you bad news, don't smile. You know what I mean? Like the more obvious things where we wanna make sure that our responses to what someone is saying, even if it's just in body language and we're not talking, if it's nonverbal body language, we just wanna make sure that it matches. Nothing is a greater sign of not listening than body language, nonverbal body language that really doesn't match. So that's the main crux of the physical side of, um, of the way that we can communicate actively with someone. Oh, 
I did miss on one little golden egg secret, though, when it comes to the physical act of active listening. This one's fun. You might have even realized that you do this and didn't know it, but now that I'm bringing it up to you, you're going to like, your mind's going to blow. <laughs> Tilt your head ever so slightly to the side while listening to someone. Now, I'm not talking about touching your shoulder. It shouldn't look like you're, you know, trying to look at something in a peculiar way. It should be very discreet when you're tilt. It's just a very slight, ever so slight tilt to either side. And don't, you know, just tilt your head back and forth like a bobblehead. It's something that maybe you do for like a good amount of minutes and then maybe you switch to the other side for a good amount of minutes and so forth. It's a very slight tilt that signals to the brain of the other individual that you are very much interested in what they are saying and you are engaged and involved in the conversation. From a psychological standpoint, it's a very empathetic, warm, and submissive gesture which creates compassion in conversation and shows that there is a surrendering to the other person's words while they are talking. This is huge with romantic interests, especially with men, because I'm not saying that all men um, uh, are gonna notice this tilt and immediately know that this is what all this, of this means. It's a very subliminal type of psychological messaging. But with men, they love feeling strong when they're looking to pursue a woman. They want the woman to make them feel strong, that they can provide, that they can protect, that they can add value in a very big way. And when we just show a little bit of submissiveness in the way we listen, in that warmth and that empathy in the way that we listen, it makes a man absolutely like just, oh, they swoon over you. I found this in personal experience and it actually even worked with my now fiance. And it's nothing manipulative. It's not actually this, it's not a dark psychology hack, so to speak, that I hear on TikTok all the time. Dark psychology hacks to make someone obsessed with you. It's not made to be used in, as a weapon. It's really made to help enhance the way that we express empathy for someone in conversation. It is very good at getting romantic interest to be more interested in you. It's very attractive. It also just like makes your face look more attractive as well. Um, so I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want people to think like, oh, we're being told dark manipulative hacks to connect with someone. No, 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 no. But this little, this little hack, this little golden egg secret is fabulous at building and enhancing the way that you express warmth to someone else, and even with friends just this little bit of a tilt it just allows your friends and your connections to sense that you're surrendering in the conversation to what they are saying not in a bad way just in a way where you are fully trusting that you feel comfortable with what the individual that you're listening to has to say that you're just you're just there with them and that's a very comforting feeling okay I feel like I've covered a great amount of the physical ways that we can improve our presence with others and engage in more active listening from the superficial front. However, none of that's going to really matter as much if we do not have the internal parts of us in order. If we 
we if we fake the superficial side, it's going to eventually fall apart. It's very important that we are able to cultivate the internal acts of active listening in order for that to translate to our physical selves. And all together, it works to create a really beautiful act of active listening and further enhance the connection with the person that you're talking to. So when it comes to active listening on the internal side, it's all about mindfulness, presence, and trust, like I mentioned earlier. So how do we do this? I'm going to break this down into categories. So first is mindfulness. To build, excuse me, to build mindfulness while someone is speaking, we must first acknowledge that we are even having a conversation. And I know that this sounds maybe a little bit lame. I completely understand. However, you'd be surprised most of us forget to practice just the small art of acknowledging that a conversation is actually beginning. We have a tendency to look for what we want in front of us rather than just looking at what is in front of us and accepting it and working with it. We can be rather selective. (laughs) Um, And during active listening, there is nothing selective about it other than selecting to listen fully and wholeheartedly to what someone else is saying. So first things first, you must acknowledge that there's even a conversation to begin with. Once that has been established, I want you to do something very specific which is a layer of mindfulness that I personally feel is neglected all the time. Some might even say this isn't really mindfulness. However, I beg to differ and you'll see why. I want you to really ask yourself in a snap judgment form. So just as you're about to enter a conversation, I want you to quickly ask yourself, what is the goal of the conversation? And what are your boundaries? And what is the journey that you want to take with the person you're about to engage with. You'd be surprised how many of us do not think about this when we are getting ready to engage in conversation. We are usually very afraid of silence. We don't want there to be any silence. So we'll rush into conversation without even properly assessing what we want from the conversation. And when we don't have boundaries established, when we don't have goals or aspirations about the conversation, even if it's as simple as just to, you know, get to know someone better or even just congratulate them on something or even address an issue. If we do not actually know why we are there and we do not have an understanding of what is going to be acceptable for us to continue having a conversation, we can put ourselves into really compromising positions and in really uncomfortable conversations that can lead us down roads that, I mean, might even be potentially dangerous for our emotions and for our physical well-being. It's just, it's really, it's kind of, I, I, I know this word's gonna sound a little bit strong. It's a little bit reckless when we enter conversations without any kind of structure to what we're doing. And it's not to say that there isn't going to be flow. I think, it's very important to know that during this time, we're not inferring anything about the conversation. We are simply establishing our own responsibility for what we want from it and the boundaries. Everything else though, it's that's pure happenstance at that point in time. And this kind of intentionality when we enter conversations this way is going to enhance our communication experience. 
And the best example that I can come up with for this one that off the top of my head is when I went on my very first date with my now fiance, I went into the date into now granted there was a little bit more prep, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going on a date, you know, we're able to <laughs> at times really prepare for ourselves mentally to be able to go on a date. However, again, you'd be surprised a lot of us kind of enter a date and we don't really have a strong sense of really, I mean, we might know kind of what we want from it, but we maybe haven't established the boundaries for ourselves yet. And then we allow for dates to go horribly wrong sometimes <laughs> and we waste time. And I did not want to waste time. So I knew going into this date that I wanted to establish a conversation where I can learn whether or not we are going to be compatible and whether or not we're able to converse with each other in a way that felt really good, really fulfilling, and really comfortable. And I knew that my boundaries going in was that I did not want to talk about sex, I did not want to talk about intimacy and certain aspects of the past because it's a first date. And I knew that at that point, now that I had set my goals and my boundaries, and like I said, this is a super prepared way to do it, um, but this type of skill is something that can be practiced over and over again as you enter conversations as that form of mindfulness. I knew though that if the conversation deviated from that, I can't predict what my fiance is gonna say. However, I can cope and I can figure out how I wanna respond to it. I knew that if it did go in any of those directions that I didn't want it to go into, I could pivot the conversation or I could simply end the date. That act alone helped me become so much more mindful of the conversation and why I was there. And that kind of energy is cultivated through that moment and translated into the way that I communicate and how I even appear to him. In fact, my fiance would later tell me that he truly felt that I was listening to him better than any woman has ever listened to him before. And to be clear, this form of mindfulness, it isn't about inferring, it's about priming. I'm not anticipating anything in the beginning, I'm simply priming my mind with boundaries and aspirations to consider so that throughout the conversation, I'm just, I'm just aware of where I'm at and I'm able to really fully listen to my partner and what he has to say so that I could be fully enhanced and make sure that our connection is as strong as it can be. So just wanted to give that example and hopefully bring some light to that. So once mindfulness has been achieved, and by the way, this is something that you might need to continuously remind yourself, like what are my boundaries going into this? What do I want out of this? You know, and experiment with it. You might have to practice this a million times. However, once the habit's made, it gets so much easier entering conversations. I can do it personally in less than 30 seconds. I can already decide what I want from the conversation and my boundaries. And then from that point over, for, for that point um, after, it's, it's all in God's hands, so to speak. And I can decide how I want to respond as I'm, you know, once that person's done speaking. So... The next step is to move on to presence. Once we've established mindfulness, now we have to look at presence. This means not to infer. However, it means to slightly, not slightly, lightly attach yourself to every word that's coming out of the individual that you're listening to. Being there to hold on to what the person you're listening to is saying is incredibly powerful. 
because people could feel that energy. Think about the times that you felt that someone was along with you for the ride of a conversation. Like you really felt that they were present with you because they were devoted to your words without quivering. They were surrendering to what you were saying. That's lovely, isn't it? So having presence, I don't really have too much advice in terms of having presence. It's more it's more like the mindfulness mixed in with the hanging on to people's words and not anticipating what is going to happen next, but rather just being there with that person along for the journey of their conversation and then responding accordingly. However, to hit the ultimate trifecta when it comes to internal active listening, we have to look at trust. Like I said in the very beginning, we struggle a lot of times with active listening because we are always looking to subconsciously protect ourselves from the unknown, from our anxieties, our traumas, our distractions. To actively listen requires a level of trust, not so much in what can come out of someone's mouth that we cannot predict. However, we want to trust that we have the ability to cope with whatever might happen and respond effectively. I know that this part is going to be less advice, so to speak, and more motivation. However, I feel like that's what's going to make the most sense for what I'm about to say. The reality of life is this. It's always unknown from second to second. It doesn't matter how regimented your life is. There will always be moments where life throws you a curveball to really see if you're paying attention to your presence, to your mindfulness or if you're just an autopilot. And FYI, a life on autopilot is barely a life at all. A life that's full of beauty and opportunity and growth in spite of the unknown. Now that's a life because we are able to embrace the trust that we can deal with life. We could script out in our minds a million times over how we want conversations to go with others, of how we want relationships to go and build and how we want connections to thrive but the best that we'll ever be able to truly do is simply just know our boundaries and our goals as we're entering a conversation and then cope with the rest because we don't know. And Dr. Jordan Peterson, he talks about, because uh, he's just been my latest obsession, <laughs> he talks about how, in, not in the book that I'm reading, but I mean, as I haven't gone as far in the book as I would like to, it's just a really dense book. But in interviews, he's talked about how as soon as we open our mouths, we run the risk of offending someone, right? We cannot be quiet, though, for the rest of our lives. So it's more about our ability to cope with words rather than controlling them. And to enjoy the journey of conversation means to get excited to learn and grow and get more connected with others while they share the unpredictability with you. Active listening is not easy. It's not. As you can easily tell, there's a lot entailed with putting oneself aside to be there wholeheartedly for someone else's mind vomit at times. However, the satisfaction in seeing how much closer you can get to people and how much closer people can get to you is insurmountable, unsurmountable, unmatched. Genuinely healthy and fulfilling connection is the key to a life well-lived. Trust me when I say that people hardly care about what you do. 
However, they will care very deeply about how you make them feel. In fact, that's what they're going to remember more than anything. And with that being said, I hope, I really, really hope that these tips provide some insight on how to actively listen and enhance your connections and even build new ones and even build confidence when it comes to building new connections and maintaining them. So finish off your tea, close your diaries, and I will chat with you all next week.